Hello, and welcome to Not a Couple, a Will and Grace podcast. I'm Matthew. I'm Tess. And this week we are here with the conclusion of our Figmalion saga, The Guy Who Loved Me. Ooh. It is hard to believe that we have watched four episodes of this plotline, because there are two in the middle that we have also watched. Yep. Um, but this is the, the wrap-up, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had this kind of mini-arc for the last couple episodes of the show, non can or nine in a row. Yes, we've had um, three total episodes so far, but with a weird f- break in the middle. For guest stars. For guest something. stars, yeah. Um, and I think now that we've seen all four, I guess I would say it comes to a good conclusion, if a sad one. Yeah, it's not a happy conclusion, but it, it, it makes narrative sense. Mm-hmm. And I think that's uh, <laughs> it's surprisingly rare for Will and Grace to have yeah. a narrative arc that makes narrative sense all the way through, even and- if... The conclusion is very sad. Yeah, and I mean, we also have some nice continuity here, which mm-hmm. is, again, a bit of a rarity for the early seasons of the show. So Yeah, so yeah. Uh, we're going to jump into the episode itself, but I think just to start out to say that I think we both like this episode, and I think yeah. we both like the way it wrapped up this plotline. Uh-huh, yeah, I think this this was overall a very good episode, mm-hmm. and we enjoyed it muchly. Yep. Great. So here is the episode description. Uh, Jealous Will spots Barry, Dan Futterman, disappearing with Jack. Karen trades places with Rosario to woo a handsome handyman, Bruno Campos. Yeah, so this episode basically picks up right after the last one. Mm-hmm. So we see Jack and Barry about to go on their romantic date. Yep. And it's <laughs> it's not actually that romantic. It's just at their it's at Jack's <laughs> apartment. So they're just going to have sex clearly, but whatever. Well, there was the whole thing where at the Human Rights Gala, uh Karen won a romantic dinner for two at the silent auction. Mhm. And gave it to Jack, so apparently a chef did appear to cook them dinner, but they sent him away because he wasn't cute enough. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that line. I remember thinking, like, in the episode, like, that was a weird throwaway line about the chef being gone. But you're right. That is, like, basically, like, a one-to-one. Yep. So they clearly kind of impressive. like, uh, casting a chef, so they just wrote that out, even though they <laughs> just wrote it in. Oh. I think the thing about this episode that the episode description actually does a good job of not saying, actually, is that Grace is, again, kind of in this... <clears throat> Uh, non-important tertiary character position. Yeah, Grace really hasn't had a plot in a couple weeks now. Yeah. Which I mean, is the, I think her last plot is the episode where she finds out that um, her husband isn't coming home anytime soon. And since then, she's kind of just been around in a very Karen season one kind of way. Yeah, she just kind of floats in and out of scenes to make weird jokes. Like, literally, she shows up this episode and one of her biggest scenes involves her farting in the hallway. Right. And, like, as part of that scene, like, the joke is just, like, she's really bored and came over to hang out with her friends because her husband's not home. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it's not even, like, she's there for any sort of reason. She's just bored. It's very odd. Um, But it gives Karen and Jack some time to shine. And I do appreciate that. Karen has really a whole plot basically to herself, along with her scene partner, the handsome maintenance man. Yes. So, basically, the setup of this happens like this. So, Karen got Rosario a new cop costume jesus she got rosario a new uniform as a maid and rosario was complaining that it was itchy and so karen put on rosario's apron to make fun of her and then she went out into the hall for some reason and rosario locked the door behind her and she meets a handyman who thinks she's a maid and actually that's a really funny plot line for the episode and it's a good example of how breaking karen and stand up has kind of reinvented this character yeah in karen we have a character who is really sexy and fun and like about town and that isn't tied down to anyone but because she's married 
some of those character traits don't really get to come out most of the time. Yeah. Like, she'll hit on someone, but it's always, like, very flirtatious and never any follow-through. Right. Whereas this time we have potential for Mm follow-through, and that in and of itself has some consequences. Yeah. And I think it's something that the revival is definitely playing with as well. Yes, because Um, for those of you watching the revival, they have also just broken Karen and Stan up again. Yes. So it's a very similar plot line. We're actually later in this episode going to be talking about another uh, element of this episode that we really thought had some narrative ties to something that's happened in the revival. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the core of it is really just Karen getting to be another person. Yeah. So she's kind of trying on a persona here, Mm -hmm. um, to impress this guy and it's working super well. I think that's one thing that the show sometimes brings out of Karen is that, you know, we hear all these little bits about how she wasn't always rich and, you know, she plays Anastasia Beaverhausen. Like Karen is really a chameleonic character who is Mm -hmm. always taking on new identities. Yeah. Um, but because she's never really found one that works. I mean, you get the sense that her normal Karen persona is very much an act. Right. Um, so it's interesting to see her play acting in a different kind of role. So, um, Karen kind of gets to know this handyman who's super hot and he's this really like working class of the people. Like I kind of referred to him as very Enjolras from Les Mis like, like he's. But also like dumb and kind of cute like Joey Tribbiani. Yeah. He's sort of like if Joey Tribbiani and Enjolras had like a really blue collar dumb baby dumb baby and so like while he and karen are like going about their dates while karen is pretending to be a maid like they go to the basement to have dinner and there's like some untouched food that was sent down from the penthouse and there and someone was like does anyone want this and karen's like oh yeah and she's like and he's the guy's like no don't eat their food yes we won't take their leftovers yes and so then he's like here is a sandwich. It is humble, but it's honest. Yes. And then she's like, it's dry. He's like, I'll get you some mayo. Thoughtful, but dry. Thoughtful, but dry, yes. So they, but it's cute because they do have a sort of weird chemistry despite mm-hmm. the fact that the whole thing is based on a really ridiculous lie. Well, and I think it works so well because, uh, he, like, it's exactly, he's the reverse of Karen, you know? He's very pretty and very dumb and very poor. Yes. Karen is very pretty and very dumb and very rich. Right. Um, but yeah, we have, we get some really good physical comedy out of Karen while she's pretending to be a maid. Mm-hmm. For um, a long time, too. Yeah, so at one point we have Rosario pretending to be Karen, so she's like wearing mm-hmm. a, a fur coat, and with her sunglasses on and her hair up, she looks very much like an heiress. Yep. And she, uh, Karen at one point is insulted and her mouth falls open, and she says, close your mouth or my jewelry might fall out. <laughs> and then the handyman is just like, who taught you who taught her to speak that way? And it's clearly Karen. It's clearly Karen, right. It's clearly right. Karen. Um, but yeah, we also see Karen really fully committing to this bit. And so she's being... She's like working as a maid. Yeah, I mean, she's terrible at it. At one point, Grace comes to stop by and say hello, and she's dusting with the wrong end of the duster. <laughs> it's like she's rubbing like the wooden stick part on a table. I literally had to say out loud, what is she doing? And then finally the episode explained it to me. Because... Because I didn't understand right, what was happening. Grace, Grace was like, you're supposed to dust with the feather end. <laughs> and she was like, oh, yeah, that makes much more sense. Um, but it's it's very funny. But eventually, you know, Karen realizes that she can't carry on the lie forever. Because mm-hmm. eventually dude's going to find out. And, you know, there's some advice from Grace who's like, you know, he'll love you for you. La, la, la. Grace gives a lot of advice this season. It's very, It's all pretty good advice. It's very whatever um but so then karen finally confesses to her handyman that she's not a maid and her name isn't whatever the fuck she told him her name was right 
Which may have happened off camera. I'm not really sure. I think he called her Lupita or something. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but anyways, she admits that, in fact, she is very wealthy and her name is Karen Walker. And it turns out that Homeboy is so ready to abandon all of his principles to be with a right. rich lady. He's just like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Oh, no. How will I survive? Yeah. You know. And Karen is so overjoyed by this that she's like, this is wonderful. We should have some champagne to celebrate. And then... I don't drink. It'll never work. And she immediately leaves him. And so it's very funny. I think it's interesting, too, in this episode that Karen is portrayed as someone very rich. And yet, within this season, we've had episodes where she's been broke. Yeah. I mean, her... It's ironic because her wealth is very much tied to her still being married to Stan. Right. And it, so. it's sort of implied also that some of her wealth right now is probably going to come from the divorce settlement. Yes. Like she's so pro- she's like pre-wealthy. Yeah, she's probably going to get a hefty alimony. Right. But Which is good, but, you know, it's not technically being rich. Right, yeah. So it's it's an interesting thing that they're playing with here. It's whether or not Karen is going to remain wealthy. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, that's Karen's plot. Yep, Karen's made this week. So uh, let's talk about the last bit of the Figmalion plot line. Yes. So um, basically, to set the scene, we've got Barry and Jack on their date. And Very Will, romantic, sort of. And Will is pacing the hallway like a lunatic. Yeah, I mean, Will is kind of unhinged in the last episode where we see him, like, trying and failing to touch Barry. Yes. But this episode is, like, a new low. I mean, he's in the hallway listening at the door. Like a creep. Trying to look through the wrong end of the peephole. Like, right. And it's I, super weird. It's super weird. And I just... I. We kind of expressed our concerns with the plotline already last episode, and I am sorry to say that none of them are addressed in this episode. Like, the reason that Will thinks that Barry shouldn't be dating Jack is because he has real feelings for him, not because Will and Jack have an inappropriate relationship with him because they made him a better gay or any of the other reasons. I mean, the closest we get to a legitimate reason that this shouldn't be happening is when Will is like, you can't date him, he's my best friend, and, like, we can't fight over him. Right. But, like, to me, that's an argument for them to just not date at all. Right. Because the same thing is true for Jack. Yeah, so, basically, in the middle of this date that Jack and Barry are having, Will, like, bursts in Mm -hmm. with this extremely lame excuse about, does anybody have any garbage? Right. And Jack is just like, uh, get out. Right. And Will, like, goes to Barry and he's like, Get out. How fast can you get out of here? Go out right. with me. And it's super fucking weird. And it's it's weird because, like, yes, on the one hand, like, cool, these gay guys are shown with sexual agency. But on the other hand, like, in a really negative way. Yeah. Like, they're fighting over one guy. Right. They're not being good friends. Right. And so then, basically, Will and Jack airbud Barry to see which one he wants, and he picks Will. Right. And so then Will kind of gloats about it, uh-huh. and him and Jack are in a huge fight for, like, most of the episode after that. But also, the fights resolve really easily. Yeah, so Jack and Will run into each other, and Jack is, like, expressing how he's angry at Will, and Will literally tells him that when he's angry, he'll get wrinkles, <laughs> and then Jack is like, I'm so happy for both of you. Right. And it's the weirdest fucking thing. Yeah, I... I don't know what to do with it at all. It's such a weird resolution. Yeah. Because it it kind of makes sense in that it proves Will right that Jack didn't really care. Yeah, he wasn't actually interested in Barry so much as he was interested in looking hot next to a hot guy. Right. And that's not like that, ep- that wasn't foreshadowed in the previous episode where he picks Barry for his date for literally no reason. Right. You know, like the episode adheres together in that way. 
But the characters themselves aren't talking that way. Right. Like, it's weird for Jack to be mad at Will. Yeah. Or it, for mad at him for that reason, well, you know? Well, it's weird that... I mean, it's not weird that he's mad at Will, because Will literally stole his date in the middle of a date. Right. But it's weird that he stops being mad at Will for apparently no reason. And, like, the fact that it was... It was just one date. Like, if Will hadn't stolen Barry in the middle of the date, I don't think Jack really would have had any cause to actually be that angry. Right. If they'd gone on one date and it hadn't gone super well, and then Will said, hey, Jack, can I ask Barry out? Mm-hmm. It probably would have been fine. I but mean, the thing is, I don't understand why these people aren't acting like normal people. Yeah. This episode. It's like, very confusing. Like, I, especially because Will spent the entirety of last episode pacing the floor, trying to get up the courage to ask Barry out. And then and, in this episode, he just immediately does it. Yeah. I don't get it at all. It's like, where did the courage come from? I'm confused. It came from convenient plot, right? I think it came from the fact that Grace farted in the hallway and he didn't want to be in there anymore. Good point. Very um, well, very wise. <laughs> but so then we kind of reach the culmination of this plot in which we realize that Will has sort of decided that he and Barry are boyfriends. Right. And that is not... Which what... is weird because they haven't been on like any dates yet. Yeah, they've been going out for like a week and it sounds like they've gone out maybe twice. Right. And so he decides to just show up unannounced at Barry's place with Chinese food, mm-hmm. only to learn that Barry has another date. Right. Well, and this, to, to jump ahead slightly, I mean, what happens here is basically Will makes like a ultimatum slash declaration of love. Right. Where he's like, I, you don't want to do this thing where you go out and date other people. Like, it's stupid. You should just be with me because like, I've already done that and you shouldn't do it. Right. And Barry's like, dude, you're the one who told me I had to do that. Right. And he's like, and also I want to do that. Right. Will's like, I've been out there and there's nobody good. And Barry's like, I know, but I haven't been out there yet. Right. I just came out a month ago. And I just, the plotline is just so abrupt. Yes. And it's so confusing. I mean, I just... If Will really feels this strongly about Barry, I don't see why, other than that this actor is only contracted for four episodes, why he wouldn't just say, okay, if you need to date other people, just date other people. Like, you know, I'm not right. 100% with that, but, like, I, what am I going to do? Like, just cut it off completely for no reason, right. even though I have these strong feelings? Like, I feel like because the episode ends so abruptly with Will being it's all or nothing, it kind of cements the fact that this relationship was never very real to begin with. Also, frankly, that's just moving way too fast. Mm-hmm. I can't think of any person I've ever wanted to become exclusive with, with inside of a week. Yeah. I pro- most people I date, I haven't even slept with them inside mm-hmm. of a week, you know? Like, yep. it's very it's very frustrating for me to watch that. And instead of understanding where Barry's coming from, I'm being like, you know what? You're right. Maybe I'm moving a little too fast. Mm-hmm. I still like you. Maybe we should slow things down and uh, see if this has any potential to go anywhere. Right. While you're out there being gay and getting to know what that's like and dating other people. Right. Well, and it's interesting because uh, the revival does something very similar in the first season of the revival right. when Jack is dating Officer Drew. Yeah, and we sort of see a very similar situation. Officer Drew is a baby gay. Mm-hmm. He's just come out. He just left his wife. Yes. When he and Jack first begin dating, he's still with his wife. Yes. Um, and so over the course of a few episodes, we see Jack really falling for him. Mm-hmm. And at least they're dating for a couple of months, it sounds like. And I think that's the thing is that it sort of is the same plot line, but it does kind of show an evolution that isn't present in this episode where we see, first of all, it's interesting because it's Jack instead of Will. Right. So there you've already flipped the script a little bit is that Jack has never wanted to settle down. Mm-hmm. And yet now in the revival, he's wanted to do it twice. Yeah. 
So, yeah, we see Jack ask Officer Drew. I believe he asked him to move in with him, right? Mm-hmm. They talk about living together. And Drew is, like, you know, very flattered. But he's like, I just came out. Right. I haven't done this yet. Right. I haven't experienced what it's like to be out and gay and dating yet. Mm-hmm. So, no, I don't want to settle down with you. And you know what? That is completely fair. Yeah. I think that that's something that the show kind of, because we're in the heads of the characters that we know and love mm-hmm. and see every week, it's kind of easier to empathize with them that they got rejected. Right. But really, if you think about it, for our queer listeners, imagine the first person you dated after you came out. Mm-hmm. Would you have wanted to settle down with them? Definitely Probably not. Probably not. Because you know what? When you first come out, it's it's a whole new world. You'll date anybody. Mm-hmm. You know? It's like that person blinked at me. I think we're in love. Right. Like, well, and it's, it's tough because, like, you want the, your, the characters you care about to be with these people because they're interesting and fascinating. Right. And you know they're a good fit for them. But that doesn't mean that the characters themselves would want that. Right. And I think, uh, I personally think that, like, the Officer Drew plotline does a better job of it because it shows how, like, you can be in a relationship with someone and then, like, just have it be going different ways and it naturally separates. Right. I think in this plotline, there is such a clear disconnect right from the start that it's clear that Will and Barry are just not communicating about what their wants and needs are. Right. Whereas in Jack and Officer Drew's case, there's a clear sense of a want or need developing over time. Right. You know? And I think this one kind of has an extra layer of frustration because Will was the one who put the idea in Barry's head to begin with. If this had been first date Barry, first Mm -hmm. date Barry would have loved to have a boyfriend. Right. Right off the bat, the moment he came out. But Will kind of like educated him on what it meant to be gay and he has this whole new worldview and he's like i don't want to just date you you're great but i haven't dated anybody else and i think that's the other reason that this plot is so frustrating because like i don't think the episode gets to that really like yeah i think from the outside you're saying yes like this is a tragic pyrrhic victory because will has made this perfect gay man my fair lady style Except he has actually realized now that he shouldn't have made that gay man. You know, like... Right, because if he hadn't, he might have a boyfriend. But there's no sense of tragedy there beyond the immediate Will doesn't have a boyfriend. Like, there's an inherent tragedy in the sense that if we are meant to take Will at face value here, that he has created yet another gay guy who's just going to go out and have a bunch of meaningless dates and only when he's as old as Will realize that he should have settled down with someone. Mm -hmm. Uh, Which is ironic coming from Will who had already settled down with someone and, like... Again. There's some inconsistency of plot and character happening there. Right. But I think the episode doesn't really engage with that, and that's why it feels sort of abrupt and hollow. Right. I mean, the episode also, from my point of view, doesn't really engage in the fact that Will is just plain 